And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Uh, hi, Mark. Sorry. I'm talking to my son. Um, no one cares at all. No one. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. Joining me now, the constructor and conductor of DKPittsburghSports.com. It's emasculate themselves over these last two games. What are the pros and cons of the way they handled the aftermath of the Rizzo slide? Well, while I wait for your listeners to go look up that absolutely perfect term for what's happened uh, at PNC Park over the last couple of days. Yeah, it means they got... It's not from the collective standpoint. That starts with Richard Rodriguez. The pitcher is culpable, ultimately. The pitcher is the one who goes out there, takes the ball, knows the situation, recognizes the situation, and has to address it. There isn't a signal from the dugout. There isn't a signal from the catcher because that can be seen with the Pirates from there, that's a different story. Did David David Fries and Sean Rodriguez address a thing behind closed doors? Yeah, no question about that. I mean, in fact, that started out in the dugout. Did some of the other relievers start spraying a little bit? And we saw Michael Feliz start to lose his mind uh, a little bit on the mound last night. Yeah, a, a game like this or a couple of games like this where they're getting embarrassed by the Cubs, uh, both on the scoreboard and right there on the field, maybe that can make a difference for them if they choose to address it properly and come together. Uh, if not, you know, they've lost nine out of their last 11, Mark, and it's not looking good, and the schedule is really tough for the next few weeks as well. Well, I uh, I think it's too late to really address it properly. I think if they do it tonight, that will smack of desperation. No, 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 no. I didn't mean address it with – I did. that ship sailed. The baseball code, you don't get him the first time, you don't get him. Plain and simple. Then you look bad. Well, as you mentioned, or is this just part of the ups and downs of a normal baseball season? Well, I think there's there's a correction element to it. It's something you and I have talked about on the show for a few weeks now, including when things were going well. Uh, They were playing a bad schedule. And another thing you and I agreed on was good for them. They're taking care of business. They were taking care of the bad teams. They're just manhandling. They're manhandling a bullpen that uh, some of us thought, you know, were pretty good. You know, they they certainly have the live arms out there, but they're getting hit really hard right now. Edgar Santana, Feliz, uh, you know, even Rodriguez had been striking people out. Felipe, uh, I was about to call him Rivera, Felipe Vaz. One way or another, uh, they got to turn it around. You know, they played well against St. Louis this season, and they've got to they've got to continue that this weekend. Well, I thought the the big downturn wasn't losing two out of three to the Cubs because the Cubs are pretty good. Obviously, the way they lost to the Cubs with the Rizzo situation going unaddressed, uh, again, as we have discussed, you got to win those games. If you win those games, you can kind of lump your way through the games against the good teams, go 500-ish, and you'll have a pretty good season. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, it's not just about the outcomes. What hurt in those San Diego and Cincinnati games, and it's continued really inconsistent, uh, Trevor Williams, who'd been the most consistent by far, on the staff, uh, finally ran into his bad stretch. Uh, it was going to be a big question mark, and, and I say that in the in the either or sense. They could have gone because he pitched real good last night till he got tired. Yeah. I mean, I think the potential is there for the. Well, the thing is with a bullpen when you have guys that are throwing hard and are striking people out, the potential is that Rodriguez has been borderline historically good for a couple of months with all the K's he's gotten, and, and, and we all know about Vasquez. So the potential's there. I, I I definitely think the potential is there, but 
Remember that the one guy that they were counting on for real stability, like the one veteran guy, the only guy who was 30 years or older, was George Hill. Well, well, it, 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 it's a good thing they didn't get rid of everybody on Merritt who deserves it, or that might be an empty bullpen at this point. Now, you mentioned Corey Dickerson. Is he a platoon player? Because that's how he's being used right now. It's kind of weird. And it, it is weird in the sense that he's actually been really good against lefties. So I think you're just seeing through to upper management. He's committed to using the quote-unquote four-man outfield. Not a fourth outfielder, but a four-man outfield, as Neil Huntington clarified over the weekend. Yeah, but that Sean Rodriguez isn't supposed to be one of them. He's hitting 184, for God's sakes. Why is he getting a start at all? You know what? They, they work him in. That's just how that is. Well, I mean, F that. Why? He stinks. Because you always keep your bench players active. Mark, you know that. Not the guy hitting 184, you don't. Not the Sean guy Ron- hitting 184. Yeah but, yeah, but you know how that goes, too. Guys who have done it over the course of their career, you know, they, everyone believes that there's a water finds its level effect, and you're going to have guys, you know, David Abel look better. And boy, are they the least of the problems. Why are we even No, no, about they're that? part of the problem. Well, not Freeze. I have no problem with Freeze, but if Rodriguez is getting starts, he's part of the problem. If they're going to be a four man outfield, it should be Meadows, Marte, and Dickerson, and Polanco eventually, I'm sure, will be given a chance to work. Is this beginner's luck? I knew he could hit. I'm not sure I saw four home runs and 41 at bats. Uh, it's not just the four home runs. It's that he's you know he's batting 460 for crying out oh, loud. Oh no question. So it, it, yeah. So is that real? No, of course not. <laughs> I mean, but uh, is is he? You know, Polanco did this in his first two weeks too well, and then the other team's going to figure out what your hole is, and they're going to start making different kinds of pitches, attacking your weakness. Uh, I don't think you're going to see. I don't think you're going to see a nosedive. The kid's that talented. I mean, the kid is – it's not just that he's hitting for power, that he's doing so effortlessly. He's hitting pitches in all different parts. And I'm not being, you know, deliberately negative here because this is actually – this goes back to his time in the minor leagues. He doesn't walk. He doesn't work counts. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, out of those 44 at-bats that you just mentioned, I don't believe he has a walk yet in the major leagues. And – I think that that is going to be something that at some point or other is really career where he shows a little bit more patience and becomes a little bit more selective. But right now, he's just up there hacking and having a good time. Well, he's got to do better work in the count because if he doesn't, pitchers will take advantage of that too, let alone the hole in his swing, wherever it may be. And you're right, no walk so far. Spoke about Rizzo's slide. I mean, somebody tell that guy he stole a lot of money here in Pittsburgh. He could at least back the club up. You know, Joe Madden's really, uh, he's really dug himself a hole here. You know, every, every other sentence out of his mouth over the last couple of days has just been a misstanding the game, at which point Joe Torrey, who kind of does understand the game, lets Joe Madden know that maybe he doesn't understand the game. Uh, you know, it, it was immediately. Well, it's one thing, Dejan, to back up your guy. But then when the slide is called illegal, to still keep backing up your guy and blame the... Two years back, you might too, when, when uh, St. Louis Cardinals really ticked off Lloyd McClendon uh, in a game before PNC Park, and there was a big brawl on the field before batting practice. And the reason was that the Cardinals were talking about... The Cardinals were talking publicly. This is when Tony LaRusso was managing. Talking about what Elias Diaz is doing much less how he's being instructed. It's a completely classless Bush League move. But you know what? It's become par for the course in Joe Madden's career. It's just who he is 
and so are the slides. But I'm talking specifically about his conduct as a major league manager. Well, to be fair, he did invent big. Penance last night was only 11K tickets sold and fewer than that in the stands. They're down 7K per game on average. They're down 14K per game since 2015. Is this now a legitimate worry? Because it should have started to come around by now if it was going to. No, I, I don't agree. I, I don't think it, it can come around. Sold in the offseason. Anybody in any sport will, will tell you that. Uh, a team executive will tell you that if you don't sell your I know John Steigerwald tells sales, us that all the time. Season tickets and group sales. It's all about that because once you once you don't have that, then there's no urgency to buy tickets. Well, well so what's the pushback? Much money lying down. Every precedent about Bob Nutting will tell you that he will adjust the payroll. He'll lower the payroll. Now, he was doing that when things were going well, so you can imagine how it'll happen when they don't go well. And don't forget, if this team continues to go south the way it has, if it's falling about them in late May, which I don't know that everybody had expected. Yeah, we're not exactly spoiled for choice, but go ahead. If that happens, then you're going to see another sell-off. I don't doubt that for a second. I don't think you're going to see Josh Harrison be here through a deadline. You know, that wouldn't make any sense, meaning from their standpoint. Now, irritating the coach, a good enough reason to trade him. Well, if that was the case, he'd have been traded, you know, two and a half years ago. I mean, he is who he is. Mike Sullivan has had a hard time with Kessel. Everybody's had a hard time with Kessel. But, again, that goes back two years. The only thing that's changed. It goes back a lot further than that. Is that Kessel had a lousy playoff. And the lousy playoff was the first time that anybody really had a chance, possibly including Sullivan himself, to look back and say, hang on a second, what are we doing here? Uh, no, no, you're right. The first time anyone had a had an opportunity to be critical yeah. of Phil Kessel. Right, because if you even, I mean, before Phil messed up his hand or whatever that was, Phil was the Penguins, I would argue, at least you could have made a very strong argument for it, was the Penguins' best player, was their most consistent performer. Uh, that was in large part due to the relationship between he and Sullivan. The way they, the way they're still in shape. See, I'm not sure they hit it off. I heard Sullivan they hit talk it off about just that. Enough, Mark. I heard I Sullivan that. talk just about enough. that. I never heard Phil talk about it. Like that meeting in Toronto. No, never heard Phil talk about it. No, I meant they hit it off just enough. They hit it off professionally. There was an eye-to-eye uh, seeing on their part. Okay, they they respect, one respects the other as a player. The other respects the other as a coach. Yeah, I'm not so that sure about that agree. either. Oh, I am. Here's the part. Okay, I'm not. Well, we're disagreeing. That's how this works, right? I, I guess, but but I just I would counsel Mike Sullivan, and I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. And after not winning a cup, I would counsel him against being stubborn. Like if Phil should play with Geno, then Phil should play with Geno. And I would also ask him to remember, the Penguins aren't a coach's team. It's a player's team. Ask Scotty Bowman. No, I know, and that, that's been true for 35 years, and it's good, by the way. Brilliant. I read, your, I read your column today. It's won several awards I, already. I'm sure that it has. Uh, and and what I think of is our conversations that you and I had going back to the regular season, but especially in the playoffs, about Sullivan's stubbornness as it relates to wanting, needing, in his mind, the other team. When the other team has a sizzling goaltender, the solution is not always to come up with your own mythical version of HBK and recreate it. And I think that's what he tried to do. And this was the first time that he failed at it. And I, I underscore that part because, again, 
Braden Holpe was not from game one. You needed to come up with real, honest, five-on-five solutions, desperate solutions, even two-headed monster solutions, whatever it took to generate five-on-five offense, to get power plays, and he didn't do that. He never pressed that particular panic button because he was insisting on Eric Broussard, even though Riley Sheehan fell off badly after the Flyers series. He didn't have what he wanted, but he kept forcing it out there. That is a legitimate complaint on Phil Kessel's part and on the rest of the team's part. on great stuff as always. We'll talk again next week. All right, Mark. That's Dazon Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. How the Pirates wimped out against the Cubs. Really, they could not have looked worse by the way of handling that situation. 105.9 X.